Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to church as we continue our series on parables. But before we go on to the next parable, I have a very important announcement to make. On uh, the very same day that my baby, my baby became an adult, we welcomed into the world our very first grandchild, a beautiful baby girl. Isn't she gorgeous? I've had a complete name blank. Sharon, help me out. Aurelia, oh my goodness, I could even see the spelling in my head. (laughs) Aurelia Joy Dean came into the world on Thursday and uh, we are so stoked for Caitlin and Brenton and the journey that is ahead of them. And no, I don't know what I'm called yet, uh, although Granny Shush seems to be taking hold and some of you may know where that comes from, but I'm just interested to see what she's going to pronounce when she starts talking if my name stays as Granny Shush. But anyway, such a blessing. It's been such a great and a very big week. As I said this morning, we are continuing our series on parables and you might have noticed from the video that we are talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan this morning. And parables are stories that Jesus told involving everyday people and places that point to an unseen reality. They make one simple point and provide a challenge for our everyday lives. Parables point to people, point people to our need for a saviour and for today and for all of eternity. And today we're going to talk about this parable of the Good Samaritan. It's become one of Jesus' most well-known stories. Whether you've been in church just once or a thousand times, all of us know what it means to be a Good Samaritan. It's become part of our vocabulary. We know that a Good Samaritan is someone who makes the effort, who goes the extra mile to help someone in need. And this saying all started from this story that Jesus told, uh, and it's recorded in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to have eternal life? That's a great question that we should all be asking. What do I have to do? to live the life that I was created for. But this expert in the law isn't actually asking this question to Jesus for that. He actually wants to trip him up. He thinks he knows better than Jesus. And if he knows the law better than Jesus, then Jesus is a fraud. Jesus answers his question, though, with another question. Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? So the religious expert who is so keen to show off his vast knowledge says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. 
Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Well done. Top of the class. Gold star for you. This guy actually, in that moment, summarized 600 Jewish laws into two in an identical way that Jesus does. And Jesus says, do this and you shall live. But he wanted to justify himself. Do you ever try and do that? You know that there's something that you should do, but you're not doing. Something that you should have done and you haven't done. So you make excuses to justify yourself and why you haven't. My family's learnt this skill really well when it comes to putting their dirty dishes in the dishwasher. In fact, I'm not even sure that anyone in my family knows where the dishwasher actually is. Can I hear an amen? Anybody else's family like that? These are some of the excuses that I hear. I'm sorry, I didn't have time. I'm too busy. The dishwasher was already full. The dishwasher was clean. One of these days, they're going to work out where all those dishes go as well. Jason's excuse, he just says that I complain too much that he puts everything in the wrong way. So there's no point in even trying. It is actually true, by the way. He does put it all in the wrong way. But that's beside the point. We all come up with excuses to justify why we didn't do what was required. And this guy, he wasn't sure if he'd done what was required. So he wants to justify himself. So he asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who do I have to love? Do I have to love everybody or just some people? Can I just love nice people, people like me? people who will love me back. See, everyone at the time listening to Jesus tells this, telling this story knows that there is a, a debate amongst the rabbis about who our neighbour is. In Leviticus, where the command comes from, it says, do not hate your brother in your heart, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbour as yourself. See, some rabbis read this and said, well, obviously my brother is my neighbour because he's in the text. Obviously our people are my neighbour because they're in the text. And then there's some debate amongst the rabbis about the converts, people who had come from outside their religion and joined. Are they part of our tribe? Are they our neighbour? Some rabbis said yes. Some rabbis said no. But every rabbi agreed who doesn't count as a neighbour. Gentiles don't count, pagans don't count, and heretics don't count. Some people are neighbours and some people aren't. Some deserve love and some don't. We should help some people when they're in need and there are some you can simply ignore. That's why this guy has come to Jesus and asked him this question, saying, Jesus, where do you sit in the great neighbour debate? Can I be excused from loving some people? So Jesus tells him this story that's become one of his most well-known and well-loved stories. We love this story. 
But Jesus actually got in a lot of trouble back in the day for telling this story. It goes like this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now everybody there that is sitting and listening to Jesus knows this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a narrow road about 25 kilometres long and it's filled with lots of nooks and crannies where robbers and thieves can hide and ambush travellers. It was a bad neighbourhood. If you went down that road by yourself, you were asking for trouble. So this guy, in the story, he's gone down this road by himself, and what a surprise, he gets into a whole stack of trouble and is in desperate need of help. We all have moments when we need the help of a neighbour. We all have moments when we need the help of a neighbour. I remember a a time when our family desperately needed the help of a neighbour. We'd um, taken a trip up to Cape York in our four-wheel drive, had an awesome time, and we decided to come back down via the Telegraph Road, I think it's called. And on on that road, there's lots and lots of creek crossings. And uh, Mr Cocky was getting all excited because he's, nailing it he's doing these creek crossings we get to this creek crossing and um you know it was pretty big it was pretty impressive and we decided to just go on through that creek crossing and we managed to put a hole in the radiator well actually somebody managed to put a hole in the radiator and it wasn't me (laughs) just saying we had to keep going because we were on a track to nowhere And we had to keep stopping every few kilometres to fill the radiator up with water. On one such stop, this said unnamed person decided to go to the back of the camper trailer to get something out. And it was many, many kilometres later, by the time we got to the somewhat main road and our car decided that it wouldn't go any more, that unnamed person walked to the back of the trailer and realised he'd left it open. And everything in our trailer was gone. Everything. Kitchen, clothes, food, everything. We were stuck on the side of the road and desperately needed help. As we stood on the side of the road in desperate need of help, We cried out, oh my goodness. We had four crying children, we had one crying wife and a very cranky husband. God, send someone, one car, any car, don't care. I'll tell you, by the the time of day that it was, I couldn't have orchestrated this if I tried. But thank goodness God could, because two cars stopped a family that were travelling in convoy. And not only did two cars stop, but both of the men were diesel mechanics. They were angels in disguise, so for about two hours, with a beer in their hand and every second word was a cuss, they worked on our engine. But it took them a couple of hours to admit defeat and realise they couldn't fix a massive hole in our radiator. Remember, two cars. 
One hooked our car up to theirs and drove us back to the next main crossing where we could get help. The other car took me, which looking back, this was a little bit scary because I didn't really know them, but all the way back along the Telegraph Road until we got to the creek crossing where our stuff had fallen out and every last bit of it had just been moved to the side of the road and was waiting there for us. They put it up on top of their car and then drove me all the way back to where Jason was waiting. I'll tell you, we were at the mercy of others to help. Total strangers. They were completely unexpected good Samaritans, still holding a beer by the end of the day. But what a blessing. While this is a bit of an extreme situation, we do all have moments in our lives when we need the help of others. Moments when we face something that's too much for us on our own and we need the help of friends. Moments when you say, I don't know what I would have done without them. We all have moments like this in our lives and some of you might be walking through one of those moments right now. We might lose someone we love, have a sick child, get fired, marriage or a close friendship falls apart. You feel lonely and vulnerable, wounded. You can't just pull yourself together and get on with life. We need the help of others. And as I've been preparing this, it's just sat so heavily on my heart. I believe that there's some people here this morning that need to hear this. And it's just incredible listening to the worship and Tim this morning just reinforcing that. It's actually okay to need help from others. It's okay. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to admit that you're not okay. In this story that Jesus is telling, this is one of those moments. This man was alone, he was vulnerable, he was wounded, he was unable to help himself. But don't worry, good news is on the way. A priest, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. See, this road isn't like the gateway. It's not a six-lane highway. It's a narrow little road. On the road to Jericho, in order for him to miss whatever is lying there, he literally would have had to have stepped over him. See, this guy is a priest. He serves in the temple. He leads worship. He handles sacrifices. He had to be in a state of ritual purity, he had to be clean. In the written law, contact with a corpse made him unclean. In the oral law, contact with a Gentile would have made him unclean. So Jesus tells this brilliant story that everybody listening would have got because nobody actually knew if the man was dead or alive he was stripped of his clothes and Jews and Gentiles wore different types of clothing. So not only did he know, not know if he was dead or alive, but he didn't know if he was a Jew or a Gentile. There's no way of this priest being able to tell if this man is an insider or an outsider. 
Is he dead or is he alive? Will he defile me or not? The priest doesn't know. If he turned out to be dead or a Gentile, it's an expensive, time-consuming process to get clean. It would mean seven days of this priest living outside the camp with the other sinners. Degrading, absolutely degrading. He would have had then to have made the appropriate sacrifice to become clean, which weirdly enough is an expensive, perfect red heifer. But the priest knows that if he helps this guy, it's going to cost him time and money. It was actually easier for him to avoid him. It wasn't worth the effort. Next, so to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. He also needed to stay ritually clean to work in the temple. This was inconvenient for him also. They had good excuses not to help the man in need. It was expensive and it was extremely inconvenient. Have you noticed how helping people is inconvenient, sometimes expensive. We could all make excuses why we're unable to help people in need. I just want to give three excuses this morning. Firstly, we can make the excuse that it takes too much time. For the priest and the Levite in the story, weighing up the sacrifice of time was too much. It was too big a cost. It wasn't just the cost in that moment, but the cleansing ritual would have taken a considerable length of time. Many of us find ourselves too busy and we make excuses that we just don't have time. There are too many people in need and we don't know where to start. We become overwhelmed with the need that we see and the time that would be sacrificed and decide that it's easier just to do nothing. We also make the excuse that there's too much cost. The priest and the Levite would have had to have weighed up the financial cost. It was considerable. The literal cost of the sacrifice was big, too big to make the effort. When we add up the financial cost of helping others, the need can often seem too great. We don't have the resources to help everybody, so it's easier to do nothing. Lastly, and I actually believe that this is one of the biggest excuses that most of us make. It's the one that we find the most challenging and hardest to overcome. Too much fear. We sang about it this morning. Tim brought a word from scripture because we struggle with fear. And you can sense the fear in the priest and the Levite when it says that they passed by on the other side. You can just imagine them trying to get as far away as possible in their fear. He was unknown. He was unclean. They would be defiled. Fear stopped them from reaching out and helping a man in desperate need. How often have we allowed fear to stop us from helping those in desperate need. Fear stops us from being courageous. 
It stops us from listening to God's promptings. We often think that, and I know this is what I'm guilty of, if I'm fearful, then it can't be God, right? We convince ourselves that because their suffering isn't our fault, we don't have to do anything to help. It's all just too much, too many, too hard. Fear is debilitating. See, we could all make excuses to justify why we're unable to help someone in need. And right when those listening to the story that Jesus is telling might be feeling justified in not doing anything to help those in need, no time, too costly, too afraid, Jesus finishes the story with someone who doesn't make any excuses. In fact, what Jesus said next is completely unexpected. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan of all people, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. This isn't the ending to the story that they were expecting. A Samaritan. We all call him the good Samaritan, but in those days there was no such thing. They hated Samaritans. They were enemies. They were half-breeds and heretics. They thought it was an insult to God to spend time with a Samaritan. But Jesus goes and makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. The man who had pity on the man in need bandages him, pours oil and wine. He puts him on his donkey and takes him somewhere safe. He pays his bills. He willingly took the time to help the man on the side of the road. He willingly paid the cost to help the man and see him healed. And he willingly set aside any fear that might have stopped him from showing mercy. A Samaritan of all the people acted out of compassion and did whatever he could to help the one in need. Jesus says... To the expert, which of these three was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? This story really hurts. The Samaritan was closer to the heart of God than the expert in the law or the priest or the Levite. The expert can't even bring himself to say his name. His response is, the one who had mercy on him. The religious expert wanted neighbour defined to justify not loving people who were different to him. But Jesus tells this story and points to a highly unlikely person as a good neighbour to the needy. He tells his story to explain that there is no excuse to lack compassion for those different to us. There's no way to justify a lack of love for those who are suffering and in need because everyone has value to God. 
everyone in need is worth the effort. But Jesus goes further than just defining who our neighbour is. He actually defines how to be a neighbour. Jesus said simply, go and do likewise. The priest sees the person in need and goes on his way and does nothing. The Levite sees the person in need and goes on his way and does nothing. The Samaritan sees the person in need, goes to him, and whatever it takes to help. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Jesus is saying, don't be a person who sees the need and goes away and does nothing. It's inconvenient being a good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is one of Jesus' most famous uh, stories because we know it's good to help people. I believe we all want to help people in need. We want to be Good Samaritans. We just don't always know if we can. We don't have the time or the ability to help everyone. We see so much suffering in our world. We see so many needs in our own community, our own church family, even our own nuclear family. We see so many people in need in our world. Jesus says, don't be a person who sees the need and goes away and does nothing. So what do we do? I actually want to just give you one very simple, practical suggestion this morning. and I'm sure there could be plenty more, but this morning, just one simple, practical suggestion. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. The last thing I want is to make any of you feel guilty and run around trying to be everything to everyone. And I don't believe that's the point that Jesus is trying to make in this story. I believe we just need to listen to the prompts of God as he shows you people in your world that need a healing touch from him and love them fearlessly. Love without fear. Now, just last uh, Monday morning, I was at the bank teller early in the morning before the shops had opened and I had cash to deposit in those smart tellers. And um, there was a man in front of me, an older gentleman, who I would describe as looking a little unkept. And I was nervously waiting behind because I had cash in my hand. And after a while, he stepped away from the teller and he said, oh, it's not working. I got a little bit more nervous as he just kind of moved to the side and hovered about there. I thought, I've just got to see if this is working. So I went up to the teller, got it working, quickly put my cash in and was ready to run. And I felt the prompting of God in my spirit. So I actually turned to the man and I said, would you like me to see if I can help you get into your account? So he hands me his card, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. That's all it took for me to get into his account and he could not stop thanking me profusely. It's not something massive like picking up a dead person from the side of the road. But because I'd been in the process of thinking through the story of the Good Samaritan, it reminded me how many times and how often in our days God prompts us to be his hands and feet to those around us. He calls us to be a Good Samaritan, to show kindness and love to those in need, to be his hands and feet. It's 
sometimes we just overcomplicate it. It doesn't have to be. We don't have to be overwhelmed by it. We just have to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. I've had the privilege since 2010 of taking teams of women over to Cambodia to um, Bloom, which is a vocational training school that we've established for girls at risk over in Phnom Penh. And I remember in the early days of going over there, a third world country, and there was just such obvious need everywhere. There's poverty and beggars and trafficked girls on every corner. It was overwhelming. But Ruth's words, Ruth is the the lady who is over there and running Bloom, they really stuck with me back then. She said, Susan, I found it really overwhelming myself when I first started, but I've just got to keep focusing on God. I pray that he would show me the ones that he wants me to notice. I can't do it for everybody, but I can do it for the ones. I can love them fearlessly. I've got to trust the rest to God and not allow myself to be overcome by the enormity of the needs that are here. That's great advice for any situation. But by noticing the ones and loving the ones fearlessly that God brought across her path, over 200 girls have now been trained and have a certificate in hospitality and real hope for the future. But not only that, over 200 girls know Jesus. It's not just about 200 lives changed because many of those girls are now going back into their own communities and they're sharing the love of Jesus. They're winning over people to the kingdom. They're making disciples More families redeemed. Why? Because Ruth chose to do for one what she wished she could do for everyone. How do we love fearlessly the ones that God gives us? I I want to encourage you this morning with three things. To love fearlessly, we need to go deep and not wide. The Samaritan goes the extra mile for this guy. He pays for his room for a few weeks. It's not enough, I'll pay uh, the rest when I get back. There's a significant investment of time and money in this guy to see him healed. You can't do that for everyone, but you can do it for someone. Invest deeply into the lives of a few whether it be your friends and family, your life group, your church family, you can't help every person in need. And I certainly can't either, but together we can. This uh, This story is a picture of the church in action, a healing community. When we get beaten up, somebody picks us up and helps us back on our feet. The Apostle Paul says, carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, many of you have heard the uh, difficult journey that we as a family went on about six years ago with our daughter Bronte as she struggled with anorexia. It was a dark journey. It was a long journey. And uh, we were at the end of ourselves. We had nothing left. And a very dear friend of mine, Anne, came to me and she said, Susan, I believe God is telling me for this season, for this period of time, to walk the journey with you, to 
carry the burdens on your behalf. So for that season, she walked the journey with us. When I had nothing left, she carried an incredible burden on our behalf. She made us meals. She even organised a roster of other people to make meals for us. She prayed ceaselessly, endlessly. She drove me to appointments and sat in the car and waited however long it took and I knew she was covering that appointment in prayer. She even made me school lunches because I was teaching at the time and that was kind of a bit weird because nobody's made me school lunches since I was a kid. But she carried an incredible burden. She loved me fearlessly through that season. It was inconvenient for her. Yet she carried us along when we had nothing left. Go deep, not wide, with the ones that God brings you. To love fearlessly, we need to go time, not just money. It's easier to justify not getting personally involved with people in need by giving our money rather than time. And we should give generously. We encourage you every week to give generously. All our ministries reaching out to people in need, need money. But I believe God has called all of us to spend time with people in need. People who need Jesus. I'd hate for any of you to get to the end of the year and say, I don't think God used me to change anybody's life. But boy, it was my privilege to support those who did. Don't be that person. You know, it wasn't long after uh, Bronte came out of that, that season that I met Mel. Mel and her family were going through some similar circumstances with their girls that we'd just been through with Bronte. And because of what we journeyed through, I was then able to walk alongside them and help them. It wasn't always convenient. It was a big investment of time and tears. Sometimes I wondered how I would get things done, how I would complete my to-do list as I walked alongside. But I tell you, as I was faithful to love Mel the way that God had called me to, he was faithful to me. I never went without. I never missed a deadline. In fact, my life became so much richer. Now I have the privilege of calling Mel a friend. I've watched her grow incredibly. Her family is doing really well and all of them are serving faithfully in the church. Mel is heavily involved in women's ministry and influencing the lives of others. Can I encourage you? Go time, not just money. It is worth the effort. And lastly, to love fearlessly, go long term, not just short term. The Samaritan looks after the injured man until he is well. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, it wasn't just a five-minute fix. The healing process can take time. Commit to people long-term. 
Now, earlier I mentioned um, Bloom, and at Bloom they have a mentoring program for girls uh, that come. They have a leader who walks alongside what they call a beneficiary. I have trouble pronouncing that word. But just recently, um, Ruth told me a story about one of the beneficiaries, whom I will call for the sake of this story, Mary. Mary's mentor's name is Satya. And for five years, Satya has mentored and loved Mary fearlessly. She showed her incredible grace and kindness. She's walked through uh, a terrible, dark time and a journey of healing with Mary. When, we, when the girls come into bloom, it's a tough road. Mary came to Satya just recently and she said, you know, for five years I've been watching you. Five years I've been waiting for you to make a mistake. Five years I've been waiting for you to get angry at me, to not show love towards me, to be inconsistent. But in five years, you haven't. And because you didn't, now I know that your God is the true God. And I want him as my God. How cool is that? Five years of walking the journey. Five years of Satya loving Mary. And now Mary is a believer and she's getting baptised very soon. And uh, knowing this story, I just had a team over in, uh, in Cambodia in August this year. And at the end of our week with the girls, Mary jumps up and says, I want to thank you for teaching me the Bible. Thank you for coming and teaching me the Bible. I tell you, my heart was full. God is at work. We need to commit to walk the journey long term, not just short term, not with everybody, but with the ones that God brings you because everyone is worth the effort. You can't change the world for everyone. But you can change the world for someone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Can I get you to say that with me? Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Say it again, bigger. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Because I want you to remember that this week. I'm going to just get the band to come up. I could tell you lots of stories that haven't ended like that and more that have. There's a verse that encourages me in Galatians. It says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's easy to get weary doing good. It's tiring helping people. It's inconvenient and it's costly. At times, it's overwhelming. But we know that it's the right thing to do. 
And we know that there's times when we need others to help us. It's why Jesus says, love your neighbours as you would want to be loved yourself. Let us not become weary in doing good, church. For at the proper time, there will be a harvest. Does it mean that everyone we, we help will get to know Jesus and there'll be a happy ending? Unfortunately, no. Jesus warned us that that wouldn't be the case, but he said there will be a harvest. It's not going to happen by some super program or super leader or super event. It's going to happen if we all love fearlessly the ones in our world the way that Jesus would if he were here. Invite them to hear the life-changing message of Jesus. You can't change the world for everyone, but you can change the world for someone. And if we all did what we'd wish we could do for everyone, for someone, the world would change. Do you believe that? If we did for the one, what we wish we could do for everyone, the world would change. Because everyone is worth the effort. You know, Jesus demonstrated himself for us that everyone was worth the effort. He decided that every one of us was worth the effort. See, the parable of the Good Samaritan points us to a Saviour who when we were great enemies of God, when we were in desperate need of rescuing, desperate need of a Saviour, He showed us great mercy and He saved us from death by sending His Son Jesus to die on the cross for us out of His incredible love for you and for me. Jesus came. He died a painful death on the cross that we would be healed. We would be redeemed and we would have life forevermore. Incredible Saviour who weighed up the cost, weighed up the time, looked at the fear and He decided to do it. He decided to come and rescue us because He wants to be in relationship with us. I want to give you the opportunity this morning if you are not in a relationship with Jesus, if you haven't taken hold of His hand as He's come to rescue you and you want to put your faith in Him, I'm going to give you that opportunity this morning. I wonder if you could all close your eyes and bow your heads. If that's you this morning and you don't know a personal relationship with Jesus, if you haven't said yes to Him, I wonder if you could just right now put up your hand right where you are. If you want to make that decision this morning to say yes to Jesus. Yes, I choose to put my faith in you. I know, I recognise my desperate need for you, my desperate need. And I'm saying yes. Is there anybody here this morning? wants to put their faith in Jesus, it will change your life forever. Anybody? It's 
put your hand up right where you are so I can see you. It's all good. While your eyes are closed, I just want you to listen. You know, the expert in the law came to Jesus and he asked him the question, Jesus, who is my neighbour? With your eyes closed this morning, before Jesus, let's ask him the same question. Jesus, who is my neighbour? Who is it that you want me to show your love to this week? Who is it that you want me to notice? Who is the one? that you would show us the ones, reveal the ones to us in our world that you want us to love, the ones you want us to notice, the ones you want us to sacrifice for, our time, our money, to push aside our fear, to love them fearlessly, to be courageous, to live open-handedly and live generous lives that reflect the incredible love that you have poured out over us. God, would you speak those names into our heart now. And God, as we go into our week, I pray that you would give us opportunities to reach out and to love, to speak words of encouragement, to go the extra mile. encourage you this morning. Each parable, we're going to have a a different screensaver that you can download. And uh, this week's screensaver says, love fearlessly. And every time you look at your screensaver, I want you to remember that one that God has put on your heart right now. To love them fearlessly. Pray for opportunities and ways that you can show them love this week. Remember, you've just got to do for one what you wish you could do for everyone because the ones are worth the effort. And watch God do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine because that's who He is as we faithfully say yes to the one. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.